Hi, everyone. This is Liam, co-host of the podcast that you're listening to right now. Um, so we've been... <clears throat> Unfortunately, Jordan and I are currently busy with things in our personal lives right now to record an episode because we do this in our spare time and we're human beings and we have to deal with things outside of doing this show. I know it sucks, but... I thought it would be a fun time to pull back into the vault because it's always fun to dig up these old episodes that we did years ago that aren't available online anymore and kind of just share them with the world and, you know, have them out there because I'm a man who loves to preserve what he's done, his own personal work. And this was an episode that we did in December 2021. So it's definitely old territory, and there's a lot of old news and old ideas that will be covered, but it's an episode that we're very personally, we always personally love this episode because this was our Passion of the Christ episode where we talked about Mel Gibson and his entire completely fucked up worldview, and it's also a great uh, beginner, it's a great pro prologue to our eventual Sound of Freedom episode, which is being done, by the way. We are going to get to that very, very soon. It's going to be up probably right after this episode, if everything goes according to plan. But yeah, so this is an episode. It's also very fun. We were drunk as skunks when we recorded this. I had just come home from a family Christmas dinner, and I had too many scotches and sodas and Jordan had definitely in fact if you listen closely you can hear some bottles clanging in the background it's it's a fun it's a fun moment you know the memories of beginning to record this show and you know figuring out what we were going to do with it and it's definitely rough around the edges but I think it's absolutely worth preserving in the state that it's in and I would love to share it with all of you so without further ado let's get to it to uh, episode 17 of Unlimited Hangouts. This is going to be a special Christmas episode because uh, it's, you know, it's the birth of Jesus. Uh, and as always, since it's a movie episode, I'm joined by my uh, my, my co-host, Mr. Uh, Liam Pendergast. How are we? I'm okay. Uh, I Looking like Ontario is about to go into lockdown. Ah, uh, dear. Which, uh, yeah, is, uh, I mean, I just had Christmas dinner with my family, so thank God we're all here before that shit happens, but, um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal to be back in, like, old COVID days, because we kind of, like, you know, we, we, we had a vaccine, you know, people got vaccinated, and, uh, this Omicron thing hits, and everyone's getting infected. Yeah. I feel like most people get infected around this time of year. Because it is like technically before COVID, we had flu season, so people get sick. Yeah, it's, so. Uh, yeah, it's uh, our uh, 
beloved British government is very much uh, teasing us with uh, will we or won't we uh, lockdown for Christmas. They probably won't do Christmas lockdown because if they did, you'd have like Boris would have like an actual coup on his hands. But uh, you'd probably get like a like a New Year's lockdown. You would, you would, you know, after Brexit, if I was a hardcore uh, like a conservative in the UK, I would straight up call for a coup as well. I'm generally surprised one hasn't happened already because there's like a if you pay attention to British politics like very recently like within like a couple of days ago there was this massive um, like scandal involving like lockdowns basically um like the uh, not the prime minister but like the prime minister's like cabinet the people around him were having uh, like fancy Christmas parties during when the Prime Minister was telling people to, you know, wrap that shit. So, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we have, um, yeah, like, fucking, it's weird, because if you know anything about Britain, you'll know that it's like a like hardcore Tory nation. Uh, England in particular has been, like, voting Conservative consistently for the last, like, 200 years, pretty much. They've been, like, there's maybe been like 30 years, like like 30 odd years of Labour rule since like the formation of parliamentary democracy, but for the vast majority it's been like like one party rule basically. That's just been in Canada, now, like we seem to switch because we had Harper before uh, Trudeau and Harper, mm. Harper was like, he was like the Bush of Canada. He had <laughs> a lot of those like hardcore like neocon policies, like we are going to help America and the war on terror. Like he, he saw like how like Tony Blair did during that. And he probably thought I could do that. And yeah, cash prove, prove that he couldn't. And uh, now we have Trudeau. Who's like, he's, he's like, he wants to be Canada's Obama, but he doesn't have half the charisma of Obama. Cause even though Obama's a fucking war criminal, he has charisma yeah, and Trudeau, man, I, I don't. Yeah. He like all emperors of Rome. He is nothing like his father. Justin Trudeau is probably like one of the most like swagless politicians I've ever seen. The guy's just a massive fucking nerd. Oh he, like, yeah, and he's a hypocrite we, too. About, he um yeah, he, he yeah. wore all that blackface. There's three yep. pictures. You should have three pictures of blackface. Yeah, there's like a mountain of like. Unless you're Al Johnson, you should not have that many pictures of you in blackface. He should just pull the uh, like Guy Pierce memento excuse. Like I don't remember wearing blackface. <laughs> does it end like? Does it begin or end like memento when he shoots somebody in the head to do this? Yeah, he's uh, like I don't know who uh, like the Canadian Joy Pants like Joe Pantoliano is, <laughs> but uh... I'll have to write that script eventually. But uh, no, yeah, it's, it's just it. it's just this kind like. Man, we have your parliament system, but yeah, fuck, yeah, man. I'm we sorry don't for have that. Half the... No, I don't that. mind the parliament system. It's just none of our politicians are good at it. No, like, no. like I miss Rob Ford as a native of Toronto. Say what you want, like he had a good excuse of being an idiot. He was into crack. He was a fucking crackhead. And... Yeah, it's. I, mean, I feel like Boris is like. The British Rob Forbes, except instead he of actually being, made like, it to the top of the fucking yeah, he actually he actually squared that circle. He didn't have a drug addiction. Of, yeah, no, he's just like massively into boxed wine. Like there's like a bunch <laughs> of stories of him just like being drunk on boxed wine as he's like 
as he's supposed to be the Prime Minister. Oh, that's good. Eh, hey, um, uh, uh, Churchill was really into cognac and champagne, so I mean, and he won oh, yeah. World oh. War Two. So I mean, it, it, yeah, I guess some people can do politics drunk and some can't. So yeah, Churchill is like one of those figures. Like every fucking like ninety five percent of British politicians try to be Churchill. But they don't have like the drunken swagger of him. Yeah, like, they Boris. don't have. Yeah, like you gotta have charisma if you're gonna. Yeah, yeah. Again, like I always bring up Obama. Like as fucked up as he was, and there's a lot of things he did that I can point to. The guy had fucking great charisma. Yeah. That's yeah. why liberals even, still like him, even even if they actually remembered what he did, they would be very against him. Oh yeah, he's. I feel like in order to like get away with politics now, you need that Obama level swag in order yeah. to no, to put, get away from uh, that monster. I, I hate yeah. to go off, but he put uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and uh, the card count. Yes, I saw that on his best of the year list. I'm like, man, you you don't know. Either you just willfully like that's fucked up watching the card counter, mm. and and like you being. The, pre- the former president not acknowledging that that's insane yeah, to me we need to do a fucking uh, card count we really do because uh that, yeah no that I want... shit like halfway through with the review of like what uh why he's so like why he's so fucked, why he's up. So fucked like... up yeah that, that almost drove me insane oh so, no God. oh man that movie that movie is amazing because you go in thinking it's gonna be like it it's gonna be like that shitty movie like, it's gonna be like a gambler's film yeah. And then that fucking comes in. You're like, whoa, that's why he's, yeah, this he's is, so fucked this is up. something else. God damn. Yeah. Oh, but, man. Um... Only Paul Schrader could have fucking made that. Oh, hell yeah. God damn. I, God. The more, the more Paul Schrader fucking, like, man, Jesus. We'll, we'll do it. We have, we probably will do an episode of The Card Counter eventually. Or we'll do, like, the War on Terror edition of films. Like, films like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But, uh, yeah, there's there's like a whole fucking uh, genre of like nine eleven cinema out there, which I really want to get into. But yeah. uh, goddamn. Right, but... But speaking of uh, current events, um, we were talking about like our favorite, like most batshit insane news story of this year. So if you want to go into yours, then okay. So my number one is going to be the storming of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Because I was, I'll never, this is one of those days you'll never forget. Not because of the event itself, but because where I was. I was like, it was around like two o'clock or so. I was making lunch, like my, you know, we were all locked down. So we were like as a family post Christmas, because we all like to come together as Christmas. And after COVID, we kind of turned it like a long vacation. So, uh, you know, we're out there. I don't even remember what's happened. I think someone was making lunch. We were all hanging in the kitchen. I'm looking on Twitter. In a moment, in a lull in the conversation, I just yell out loud, yo, people are storming the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> so I immediately run into my living room and turn on, like, CNN because <laughs> we, we, get, we get internet cable. And I watched this for, like, four hours. I was uh, blown away because – and it was, like, the worst coup ever. That's what got yeah, me. It was, like, like – like, like especially like now that we know all the information when it happened it was just this is fucking this is wild but then you realize like man you're like we want revolution oh shit people are shooting run like uh, like if you if you start a coup you have to be willing to not celebrate another birthday you have to make oh, a yeah, with that 
if, if you're doing like a coup, you you'll have to reconcile with the fact that you're going to, you're be going to die or, or someone or is going to die. And, it, you know, and I'll never forget. I, I someone sent me this clip of Alex Jones after he he leaves the riot, and he's on his show saying, "I want everyone to go home at six. He's uh, he's in, he's endorsing a curfew. That's how bad it was. Yeah, Alex Jones like, is saying, "Go home." He's telling people to respect a curfew. That just sums up how how that shit went down. I have my own theories about like Alex Jones is like a FBI controlled opposition, but I completely forgot about that. Oh man, that he might just, be. He's uh, that he's that stupid. He might actually be. Yeah, it's like that, and my like all time favorite conspiracy is that he's Bill Hicks. <laughs> Because like, <laughs> yeah. like Bill Hicks died like the same year Alex Jones started doing his like, like PBS show. <laughs> you know this, what? I've like seen dropping some... eye emoji there. There are pictures that uh, are fairly convincing. Oh yeah, it's like, like, like it's props to the people who made those because they're pretty fucking convincing. But uh, <laughs> I will say this: if he were Bill Hicks, he wouldn't keep the routine going this long because it's not funny. Oh, no, no. It's not funny anymore. It's deeply unsettling. Nah. I feel like Charlie Kaufman's the only one who could get away with like decades long fucking comedy. He's actually but... like um, uh, Charlie Kaufman and uh, Charlie Kirk is uh, Charlie uh, Charlie Kaufman in, uh, in fucking makeup and like. Goddamn. Uh, oh man, but uh, yeah, no, fuck me, yeah, but uh, that, yeah. And the, the the thing what I love was to put on the chair on top of the the the, the storm of the Capitol, which is just there's so many layers to it, and I can't wait for when. Someone actually does like a full deep dive. Like no one will do one now, but uh, man, I can't wait. Like in four, like three to four years, when someone makes like the definitive documentary of this. And yeah, this... especially after so a month, I think in February, at right after Myanmar happened, mm-hmm. which is how you actually do a fucking coup. Myanmar, like like former Burma, now Myanmar has like a fucking new leader every six months. It feels like. Yeah, it's, it's like, I, I fucking knew the, uh, like, US capital fucking curve is gonna go nowhere when I realized, like, half these people are just used car salesmen. Yeah, yeah no, no, the, 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 like, <laughs> Timothy just... McVeigh did not live stream himself blowing up the uh, building. No, he was serious. He took that shit seriously, damn it. Yeah, like, fucking half those people there were just, like, Fucking influencers, like MAGA influencers. Yeah, no, like one of them was life stripping the thing. Yeah, like, like that's the thing about uh, domestic terrorism in the U.S. After Timothy McVeigh, it's kind of impossible to be one because you, like, seriously, like, what what do you have after that? Eric Rudolph? Oh, he bombed. Mm -hmm. uh, Fucking Clint Eastwood made a movie about the dude he framed, not actually Eric Rudolph. That's how uninteresting he is. The only interesting part is his arrest, where uh, he was scrounging for food in a dumpster at a gas station, and someone just recognized him. Mm. Random homeless man eating garbage. Are you a fucking <laughs> on the FBI's ten most wanted? Yeah, that's like there was a what was that fucking like influencer killing from a couple of weeks ago? God, oh, was it again? Yeah, because it was like a similar thing with that. Like, the boyfriend did it, and the FBI like they they thought they caught him, but they actually caught like some homeless guy that just looked like him. <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh, uh, 
that's your fucking tax money well spent right there. Oh, uh, well, we did a whole episode on how fucked up the FBI is. Yeah, the, so. the constant fuck-ups of the FBI. Oh, yeah. Goddamn. Especially uh, with... <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, fuck me. And they're gonna let it... I'm serious. I'm waiting for America to just erupt into, like, Bosnia. I'm serious. At this point, you can only have that much hate of your neighbor yeah. that long before it boils over into full-on violence. We, we've joked many times about how America is like one bad day away from just having a fucking Yugoslavia. Yeah, no, they just like need. Fucking, well, they have the Rwandan like, radio station. They just need the the gall to act on it. Like seriously. Yeah, fucking um, like Texas is going to start. Tucker Carlson like... is going to be remembered as the American Ra- Rwanda radio station. Mark my fucking words. Oh god, yeah, fucking like um, Ron DeSantis is going to be the next fucking Slobodan Milosevic. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going to send fucking tanks into California Jesus or something. Christ. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to scare the shit out of all of you, especially in America. But hold your breath, because. Uh, gonna get up it's gonna get ugly before it gets better i'm just gonna say that <laughs> yeah it's like going back to the fucking um like us coup um i saw something recently like the fucking head of the proud boys who were very active there was like like he he wasn't there because like he had like quote unquote better things to do and that's <laughs> apparently like because the fucking fbi was like right Half the fucking Proud Boys are, like, in our pockets, so they're not going to yeah, happen. Or, or, no, the second in command was there, and he going to prison. Oh, yeah. Unless yeah. he, like, like, you know he's going to rat on everybody, because none of these guys have any honor among thieves kind of fucking philosophy. Oh, no, no. Like, no, like... They, they, they either, like, literally are, like, half FBI informants and half just, like... MAGA they threaten him with 20 years in prison he's gonna spill mm. everything <laughs> oh yeah these guys can't do 20 years in prison when they actually yeah, like... meet like the Aryan Brotherhood an actual white supremacist gang they're gonna be scared shitless oh uh, god yeah wait it's you like... don't you don't do this oh for views oh fuck Jesus it'd be, it'd be... you it do this shit because you're uh... here for life <laughs> Uh, it would have been funny if like Roger Stone didn't have half the connections that he did and like actually went to prison. So he's like yeah. sandwiched in between some like fucking Aryan Brotherhood guy. He, he, and... he helped Nix- he helped Richard Nixon. He's got oh, yeah. forever. Like I wasn't yeah. all shocked when he was pardoned. I'm like, of course he was fucking pardoned. Yeah, he's he's getting off. Oh god. But um yeah, speaking of uh QAnon, like the most insane thing I saw, like, I think it must have been February, and this is like a personal thing instead of just a, a news story. I was walking through um, Glasgow to go get a train to go visit a friend of mine back when we were uh, allowed to do such things, and I saw a fucking, like a fucking QAnon van, like one of those fucking, like, it looked like a fucking ice cream van. Of just a bunch of QAnon shit stuck on it, just driving, driving past me like, oh god, that shit's here now. <laughs> was it, was no it playing like? Shit. Was it playing like ice cream music? But it was like like America the Beautiful or something. Uh, it was like um, you know the whole Save the Children thing. Oh god. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> that. It was like a van with just like Save the Children and a bunch of Q shit tacked oh, onto it. Oh, Jesus. Like, uh, What's British uh, QAnon like? 
Like, what, what would uh, that be like? Like, like, how do you like? Like, well, who's your like one like number one in command there? It's not Trump. It's, uh, who's, no, I can't be. Who's who's the British yeah. like Donald Trump in the QAnon? Although British saying that, there was this thing a few months ago of like the British QAnon protesting outside uh, like Windsor Palace <laughs> over the whole Prince Andrew thing, <laughs> and that was like, oh yeah, okay. We're doing this now. Like, I can understand. That's what's so fucking baffling to me about QAnon is, like, you take this thing that's objectively correct, like, yeah, fucking, like, there's, like, powerful child fuckers out there, but you're you're harnessing that fucking, uh, that information to, like, not helpful ends. Oh, how, you know how many, like, QAnon influencers have been arrested for, like, child pornography? It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, like... I've, I've, I've joked about it before, but like ninety-five percent of the people that should believe in QAnon are themselves child molesters. I, I think it's projection. Like it might be like <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, I yeah. know I'm a monster, so I'm gonna project all my how I should feel about myself on these people. Yeah. Like it. it, it, it I hate to psychoanalyze, like especially though I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but like it. It really feels like a number of these people like hate themselves in like weird mm-hmm. ways, and they're manifesting it, like. Like it's ridiculous. Like like Donald Trump, like like is supposed to be the Messiah, and he was best friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Like and he had him at like his fucking thing, and you know the Maxwell trial is hilarious because it fucking you know the pilot came out and testified, and the amount of hoops they had to jump to for QAnon, the people who still follow yeah, that shit. The the mental gymnastics required to have like Donald Trump be your anti deep state guy is oh, fucking ridiculous. Insane. Like. And we've we've talked about this in the podcast before, but I genuinely think QAnon is like a fucking FBI psyop. I don't know There's if no it other is. Way. I I mean we'll find out because we have the two breakaway cults, and this kind of brings to my country. Uh, there is a woman um, who from BC who claims to be the Queen of Canada. Uh, I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but uh, she basically says Queen Elizabeth II has been executed on her behalf, and she's shouting nonsense to any random person that will listen. And uh, it culminated recently in uh, her saying, because now we are giving up vaccines to uh, children now, uh, she put out a shoot-to-kill order on anyone giving vaccines to people under the age of 19 uh, years old. And it, it culminated in a guy in Quebec getting arrested. So the BC... Yeah, and in this country, I'll admit, as fucked up as we are, we do not want this shit here. We banned the Proud Boys after January 6th. We're not good at this, but, like, we're at least trying because they took her in on a mental health evaluation because in BC, British Columbia, where she lives... The police are allowed to hold you 48 hours if they deem you a violent person because of mental health. Mm. It's the Mental Health Act. And uh, that's where it stops. I have no idea if they're going to keep her in jail or something, but um, she uh, she kind of ran a little bit of a breakaway cult for a while. It wasn't... It, it was very well... Not well reported, because only, like, Vice covered it, which uh, I don't like reading Vice, so... But... Yeah, Vice are very good for, like, ultra-obscure stories. Oh, yeah, when they go to, like, war zones and shit. Like, when they go to, like, a a fucking group of, like, African warlords who are cannibals, you know? That's great. Or 
when they go to like the suicide forest in Japan. No one gives a fuck about their culture coverage. <laughs> mm. Yes, I remember you telling me about like the Queen of Canada and just. Oh, I had to. I, I sent you. I completely like. It's, I completely forgot about that and like joked a few hours ago about how like Trump killed the Queen. Yeah, as part that's, of his that's, uh, the, that's deep the, state. I feel again. I don't know because this, like with QAnon, the more you read into it, the more crazy you get. You're like, mm. you have to stop because like just reading what. I describe what QAnon, the base level of it is to random people. They're like, what? And you can't go any further. You can't go into like Angela Merkel is actually Hitler's granddaughter, great, great granddaughter or something like that. Because they've already checked out. They're like, fuck that. Yeah. I, I tried explaining uh, JFK Jr. to my mom not that long ago when she thought I was joking. So. <laughs> I just gave up. By the way, and, I was—I uh, I remember when the, we may as well get into this, but uh, the the Dallas gathering of fucking <laughs> maniacs. And by the way, what what got me about that is how quickly the QAnon movement has just has just dumped Mike Pence. Uh, like yeah, you do, just... like clearly they don't need him anymore. Mm. <laughs> they just like Trump with JFK Jr. Like they just dump Mike Pence. They don't give a fuck about him at all. <laughs> Yeah, it's like fucking JFK Jr. of all people to go to, like, okay. Yeah, that, that's Fair, what, famous, like, uh... I thought you hate, like, like, what got me was they said Senior will be there. There's fucking footage of him dying. <laughs> this Pruder film, you can watch it on YouTube, uncut. Yeah. It's basically a snuff film. Unless you're going to do, like, a bubble hotep, uh, JFK turned into Ozzy Davis thing. It's then, the only uh, snuff, think... it's the only snuff film in the Library of Congress. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah, I think the, uh, god damn. If you think that, like, Trump's the fucking, like, God King Messiah, you may as well believe that fucking JFK seniors alive. <laughs> yeah, like, it's fucking, thought like, to think brain in a jar somewhere. I yeah. never thought to think... If you're stupid enough to do one thing, you're stupid enough to do the other. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Because it's, it's easy for us to, like, joke about this, but there are actual oh, people out there that think I, that I fucking 120-year-old JFK senior still alive. The problem, and we talk, we joke about QAnon, but it, I think it's one of the situations where it's going to end bad because, like... Oh, yeah. Where, like, when, when the prophecy has failed... How else does it end? Jonestown ended not because uh, they they built the promised land. It ended because Jim Jones got fucked up on drugs, ordered them to kill a congressman, realized he fucked up, and then killed everybody with cyanide. Like, uh, that's how this kind of shit ends, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't think Trump will go down that road because, you know, he's a massive killer. Well, I don't think, but, jo- uh... yeah, well, I don't think Trump even understands what QAnon even is. Uh, like, the God. one time he talked about it, he just seemed to be like, well, they like me. Who cares? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he even understands what it is. Yeah, I don't we've think been he even that in, uh, what it is. Yeah, we joked about that in like episode five of like that reporter asking Trump about QAnon, and Trump's like, "What's so bad about me feeding the pedos? What's so bad about that?" Like, seriously, <laughs> a good I, thing. I don't think because like, they're gonna like we're seeing them though like find Messiah figures and other people. That guy who's still in Dallas. With a number mm. of people who went there the first uh, the first time, they've been there for like fifty days, and I'm uh, I'm scared it's gonna end in like rush hour traffic. They pull out some assault rifles and shoot people. Like I'm I'm seriously, I'm expecting this to end in bloodshed, and I'm not saying that mm. to be cynical. I'm saying that 
This is the only way thinking like this ends. Like, how many cults in history have ended with either them killing themselves or killing innocent people? Yeah, because you mentioned how Canada is a very hard line to to shit like that in comparison to America. Fucking Pizzagate. Like, Pizzagate almost got fucking people killed. It had to end with a guy opening fire. In the and he's out of prison. I really want an interview mm. with him post prison life. Uh, no one's done yeah. that. I want to hear what this guy yeah. like after four years off the internet. I want to know what he thinks. Yeah, this like oh, God, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely surprised. Like Infowars wasn't fucking shot down. After oh, they, well, it had like, it had to, it had to get them lying about Sandy Hook for people. Uh, that shit and that's even worse. <laughs> Yeah, I hope he gets that. bankrupt because of that. Because they're about, they're talking damages. He's lost the lawsuits, which he mm. like, and he lost them in a way that made me more suspicious because he he didn't give anything, which tells me whatever he, however he makes his money, he it'd be more damaging if he released that than losing this lawsuit. Yeah, because so, like, there's always so much money you could make from water filters. Yeah. And Who is funding this guy? Whatever. And yeah, it's something that, like, I, I feel like, I, I could see this ending him. I could see this, I think, mm. like, a hundred million or so. Like, I could see this bankrupting him. Like, I'm really excited to know what uh, he's going to have to yeah, do. Yeah, I end. really do. Because this could make or break him. And uh, mm. I hope it breaks him. Because Yeah, this, it's going to be weird flopping in a world where, like, Alex Jones isn't a thing. But, yeah, all good things. I, I think he's... He's got too much, like, internet clout at this point. Someone will have him on for money. He's on fucking yeah. Joe Rogan three times, I mean. Yeah, that's very much like, um, it was weird watching Alex Jones, like, during the start of the Obama years, like, 2009, back when he wasn't a meme the yeah, way he is like now. when he was, like, before he got, like, really drunk. Like, he get, he's an alcoholic, apparently, mm. and uh, you can see it, like, destroy him over his life. Because you see him, oh, like, yeah, 2009 he's... and then 2019, you're like, good Jesus. He is a red man. He's robbed oh. lately. Um, <laughs> watch the Logan Paul podcast interview he did. I, I know it's, yeah, yeah. I know it's weird to recommend, but it's so fascinating because, like, they start off, like, hit Logan Paul and his shithead bros are like, yeah, we got Alex Jones, and then he keeps drinking. And about yeah. halfway point, they're clearly not comfortable with him being there. <laughs> Because yes, he's getting I, I, so wasted. And one of them says, yo, that's quite a poor. And not in, a, like, a badass way. It's like, yo, mm. dude, that's too much. You need to fucking stop. Slow the fuck down. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I saw uh, experts of that, and it's just... Logan Paul is, like, the mother image of Alex Jones to me. Like, they Oh, he's, Ale- he's Alex this. Jones for uh, for people, like, for 12 For, for fucking Zivers, yeah. God damn. But seriously, that interview is... Amazing, just to watch the, it deteriorate. Like, like if you're like me and you love like watching a mental state just completely deteriorate into madness, it's uh, it's fascinating. Who wants to Who the f- wants to Go have some easy. Hooray! That's Gibson ranting at screenwriter Joe Esterhaus last year in Mel's Costa Rica home, losing it over a failed project dubbed The Jewish Braveheart. Joe's terrified son was recording. Why don't I have a first draft of 
Esterhouse blamed Gibson when the script bombed, branding him an anti-Semitic loon who called Jewish people oven dodgers, threatened to kill then-partner Oksana Grigorieva and showed his young son degrading pornography. When Mel denied it, he published the tape. Speaking of uh, mental states uh, deteriorating, <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of QAnon, <laughs> oh god, that that fucking Jim Kibbe's old QAnon thing like Ooh! almost broke me. That was fucking insane. I feel pity more than anything because I firmly believe he has brain damage. Yeah, so yeah. We're about to get into this, and uh, from what ha what like lightning strikes are known to cause brain damage, and I mm. think if you have brain damage. And you hang out with Mel Gibson a lot of your life, you will start to believe crazy shit. You will start to believe madness. And uh... yeah, yeah, but uh, yes, our movie for today, since it's Christmas, even though this isn't a Christmas movie, it's a Easter movie. But it's about Jesus, so fuck it. We're talking about Mel Gibson's uh, 100% historically accurate The Passion of the Christ. By the way, real quick, uh, how fucked up is it that? Uh... Christmas, which has his name in it, is not his holiday. Uh, Easter is. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there's, we were talking behind the scenes about like doing a Christmas episode, and I suggested like Die Hard Two because it's like the lesser known Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard Two is. Uh, I rewatched it with my dad, and it's uh, it's fascinating because it's ostensibly a about like like most of the deaths in that movie are innocent people and it's like one of those movies that was clearly made before like 9-11 happened yeah before yeah. people took this shit seriously like yeah god damn yeah, but, but uh yeah plus all the like around conscious shit with fucking william sadler is all over the franco nero is the goddamn yeah. <laughs> it's fucking manuel noriega pretty much <laughs> What a weird casting decision, by the way. Yeah. You could yeah, have, yeah, like, but... easily gotten somebody else to do that. Like, just some random nobody. No, we gotta get Franco Nero, Franco the Italian, Nero. to do the <laughs> Manuel Noriega fucking... <laughs> Jesus. But, uh... uh... Yeah, but, uh, you suggested The Passion, which almost, uh, like, well, drove me mad. Which, I, I uh... was a film that... Oh, so, for a while, it was on, uh, Amazon Prime here in Canada, mm -hmm. and, um... Out of curiosity, I watched it because uh, I had never actually watched it until that point. Because um, my only experience of it was uh, I grew up in a Catholic school, mm. so I kind of like understand, like, because the film is ostensibly Stations of the Cross, directed by Eli Roth, and uh. Uh, like that's what it is. But this woman, the way she described it to me, we were in some weird Sunday school program, I don't even remember what how I got here. But she was like a full-on like zealot, and she's talking to me. I'm like 12, and uh, oh, she's uh, she's really getting into how the, the passion, how it like it woke her up and shit. And I oh, always God. remember that. I always remember that description of it because it it basically made me understand who the movie's for. Yeah, yeah, it's for a very specific type of Catholic. Yeah. Uh. I, I remember seeing this when it came out of morbid curiosity. I was 
Philip Roth also like way too young to have watched it. Oh yeah, no. Because this was... is like 2004. I must have been like fucking 10 at the time. I wasn't but, even. Uh, yeah, I was born in 95, so I wouldn't have even been 10 when this came out. Ah, uh, jeez. But uh, yeah, I remember watching it and like being like shocked at the time, and now. Like I rewatched this right before we recorded, and like I'm surprised at how like boring it is. Oh yeah, what got yes, me? It's... What got me about it is it even exists. Mm. Something this twisted, this fucked up, even got made. Like I always think back to the Patton Oswalt routine that he did. He was like, "Could you imagine the pitch of this movie to a major studio before Mel said, Fuck it, I'll do it myself.'" Yeah. How, how would you pitch this in the state uh, that it's in? Like, <laughs> it's just, like it's. It, unless you're pitching it like a like Last Temptation of Christ, maybe, but. But like... this is not Last Temptation of Christ. That's <laughs> the thing about this movie, and you brilliantly tweeted about that. Is like, you know, we talk about like with our Exorcist uh, review, we talk about like films made by Catholics versus films made by atheists, mm. and. Martin Scorsese and Paul Schrader are clearly Catholic. And Mel Gibson is, like, full-on evangelical. And mm. it's it's insane to, like, view, like, watch this movie. Like, I, I, literally, I watched it during, like, COVID lockdown. I remember just being weirded out by a lot of it. Like, there's so many points in this movie. They're, like, fascinated because this is a film made by someone going through a mental breakdown. Mm. So... so by this point in Mel Gibson's life, uh, this was made about the tail, like it was filmed around the tail end, I think, of 2003. And uh, by around 2005, 2006, Mel Gibson's life completely implodes. Uh, he has the DUI arrest. He has the phone calls leak, which are absolutely uh. fucking insane if you have not heard those phone calls. Um, my favorite is the last one because it's just a voicemail. So you hear a drunken Mel Gibson rambling and ranting yeah. to nobody, and it's basically to himself. Yeah, it's like, uh... I just I remember this one line. He he just you just you can imagine him just shirtless, drunk on the end of the phone. Why don't you go and fuck him? <laughs> like, uh... like it's just like this is a man who's hit rock bottom, and um, he he made this film when the beginning during all of that, like just before his his career ended for a while. And um, what fascinated me is that it got to a point where this film got made. Like when Britney Spears shaved her head, people sent her to a hospital. Like, yeah. But, but, this, but this film got made and no one during production or any point said, Mel, I think we need to take you to a hospital. You're not okay. You're not dealing with this right. You need help. Yes. Looking into like the uh, the background of this movie, I think the main reason he got away with it because like like half name recognition and half like the people he surrounds himself also believe the exact same shit he does. Like fucking Jim Caviezel. Well, Jim Caviezel, like I've noticed, and we we talked about the the lightning attack. He was already Catholic, but this film like really fucked him up because this film mm. has a wild fucked up production history just like it's almost more fascinating than the movie because uh, you have yeah, the yeah. honor of watching the behind the scenes featurette and um wow but they he basically tortured this poor man on camera a lot of the stuff that uh 
that uh, that injured him is in the movie, actually. No, oh yeah, like um, I know there was like an actual uh, stunt guy used for Jim Caviezel, but he was used very sparingly. Like Jim Caviezel, as he's getting like like quote unquote tortured, that's him. That's not a stunt guy. No. Like he got fucked up in this movie. He they dislocated his shoulder. The shots in the movie. Jesus. Like he, uh. the shot is in the movie. I don't know which one it is, but it's in there, and you're like. Like, we talked about Michael Cimino blowing, blowing up fucking horses in Heaven's Gate. That's about as fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how, like, this gets a fucking cinema release. What, what, like, I, remem- I remember, like, the insane uproar this film caused when oh, it yeah. came out. Well, like... you were in two camps when this came out. This movie is perfect, nothing is wrong, because we're Christian, and then the other... This movie's offensive. Mel Gibson is insane, camp. Mm. There were no middle ground with this. No one went to this movie like, I think I'll be swayed by either or. No, you went in knowing whether or not this film was going to be insane, like fucking racist as hell or, you know, spiritually uplifting or not. Yeah, it's, it's fucking weird like, to have a fucking like, conversion over a film this boring because like as i said i hadn't seen this since it came out and it's like i generally forgot like most of the movie is just him being tortured i will say this about the film um it is um i i admire the the grittiness of it because it Mm. is a movie that like it's so it's almost exploitation levels of violence oh yeah again it it and, like, especially the stuff with Judas, is, as we're going to get into it, as, mm. like, you know, because you watch, like, Last Temptation of Christ and how they portray Judas in that. And this film, this film kind of made me crave a um, for a someone to have the balls to make a horror movie, a biblical horror movie. Because there are points of this movie where it's it feels like a horror movie. Like, there's a jump scare at one point. Judas yeah, like right chased, to the start. Yeah, Judas is chased down the street by boy, little boys with old man faces. You like, uh, and like the shot of him being hanged is one of those like, this is fucked up. Like this is that's what I mean. This is made by someone who's not okay. They need to go to a therapist. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up now, and uh, apparently Mel Gibson is part of the how the fuck do you say this? Uh, Savandicism. Which, according to Wikipedia, is a doctoral position with traditionalist Catholic views that holds that the Holy See under the current Pope is invalid. So, according to Mel Gibson, the current Pope is uh, fake and gay, and and we should have a new Pope. Again, this is this. That's is what, what he believes. <laughs> it's so compelling as like a, a window into madness. This movie. That's kind of what made me interested when I when I watched it was like. Like the it's like when you read the disaster artist and then you watch the room, because yeah. someone who's like kind of gone down the rabbit hole of what like Mel Gibson believes and who Mel Gibson really is. Like, I want to bring this up. He made a movie like in 1997 called Conspiracy Theory, which is a movie <laughs> that I am blown away that QAnon has not adopted, or is not like a personal favorite of theirs because it's ostensibly about a guy who believes in PizzaGate that's actually right. Yeah, you can see, uh, like, Mel Gibson's uh, sort of career trajectory from something like that to fucking The Passion. Yeah. 
it could he, be he's sort of quasi sequel. Uh, yeah, because uh, I think he the, might the intentions of these movies. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he probably does. I think like, he just has a good social media team who keeps that shit private. Uh, yeah, Jim Caviezel wasn't so lucky. Yeah, well, he has brain damage. Seriously, I like. By the way, the the story of him getting struck by lightning because apparently one person, a witness, says Mel Gibson yelled before he got struck. What is happening to his hair? Oh, god damn. Oh my god. Like, to be fair, like, you know, we see, like, this is one of those films that has, like, a, a, a kind of a cursed aura around it because it's, like, mm. it's like with Poltergeist or, like, The Omen. When you play with, like, like fucking religious shit, apparently the, yeah. the god or the devil wants in on this. <laughs> yeah, this... It's just like even the intentions of this film give off like bad vibes. This is a bad vibes movie. Oh yeah. Like, I can imagine very few people like actually enjoying this movie. Oh, I, everyone, that. I, I, it's worth looking up. Uh, like, people who like back when they used to like after a movie's over, like a news crew will go out and like interview people who just saw it. Look up some of those because they're uh, they're insane. It's it's like a revivalist meeting. You have people like some people like hey, it was it was pretty violent, but and yeah, the one guy's like it was pretty violent, but it was it was interesting. And then like I have to admit, it really made my faith go. And then you have the one woman who's bawling her eyes out. Oh my god, I'm about to have a heart attack. <laughs> I saw uh, Jesus like. God damn. It's so interesting to like like it like screenings of this movie were like a revival meeting like. Two people died of heart attacks at different screenings of this thing. It's wild. Like, like he ostensibly for like a couple weeks turned your local theater into a fucking church. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was um, I was speaking to my uh, regular co-host who uh, could have been here, but due to uh, time uh, uh, differences, was uh, unfortunately couldn't be here. But he mentioned, like, this film came out round about the time when uh, the Westboro Baptist Church started getting big. <laughs> and, like, oh, God. Oh, like, man, that, that sounds almost like one played into the other. Which one, I yeah, don't the, know, but it's bad either way. Yeah, it was, it was like, the whole journey of this, the Westboro Baptist Church, like, really starting to get like infamous and this was like a month before fucking George W. Bush's second presidential win. Yeah, like the fucking stars aligned. When uh, Schwarzenegger that's... went up and gave that speech at the RNC. Oh god. Which, man, I, I are we gonna let him get away with that? I'm sorry, but <laughs> I am blown away we let him get away with that. <laughs> mm. Yes. Yeah, like you you talk about like the uh, like this sparked a whole wave of fucking new age evangelical shit. This really is like like a window into how Americans like half of America views religion. That's the thing. Like you that, either yeah, you either embrace this shit or you just fucking reject it whole. Because it was one of those movies I was watching it and I had so many thoughts going through my head. I'm like, this is like Jacob's ladder, but it's like not like it's it's made like this. Again, this makes me believe that Mel Gibson was out of his fucking skull when he made this because there are things in this movie that have no reason to be there. The violence, for one, 
the 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 children with old man faces like Mm. why is that a thing again it's like the devil taunting you because you're going to hell for what you've done but it's it's so like again this is exploitation vibes all over it like the whipping scene is is just it's so gratuitous and has no reason to be as long as it does neither does like half the shit this movie Nah, that's like watching that fucking scene. I, I didn't time it because timing like the torture in this kind of feels redundant. But that scene where Jim Caviezel was getting like scoured to death by oh, the fucking Roman soldiers feels like something out of hostel. And he got ri- he got just... actually wi- like again. This is why I have pity for Caviezel because he got he's traumatized for making this. He won't admit it, but poor fucking bastard. Because, yeah. I mean, you yeah. watch, like, person of interest, he probably seemed like for a while he had his shit together, but... Nope. Oh, yeah, I, I, I genuinely think that Caviezel thinks person of interest is a documentary. Because <laughs> that, that's also, like, like the deep state cured on shit in there as well of, uh... Goddamn. Goddamn, what, but, a, um, what a sad story that man is, because, again, I don't yeah. blame him at all. He just picked this role because, hey, I get, I'm already Christian. I get to play Jesus. And then he gets traumatized and morphed into this monster of Mel Gibson's creation. I can imagine playing Jesus as one of those roles, like like one of those genuine once-in-a-lifetime roles. It's, it's like, like Superman, I'd fucking... argue. It's like, yeah, yeah. Because every actor who's or also played Batman. Jesus, unless you're like, like that one actor who like managed to make a career, like in one case mm-hmm. it was... Willem Dafoe, and then the other's, like, Henry Cavill, at least for now, but, like, uh, like one guy out of all of them has still had a career after this. Yep. Because once you play fun. Jesus, that's that's it. Like, you played yeah, the just... ultimate fucking deity, you know, superhero yeah. shit. Like, and this <laughs> film, man, this movie has some stuff about Jesus. I, don't, I grew up in Catholic school. Never once did I read about Jesus inventing tables. That scene is insane. When I watch this, I'm like, I don't know where this came from. Again, this is why I believe this is the product of a mentally ill individual who should who should have seen a therapist. Like he, this film is like therapy for a madman. Like that's what this feels like. Like Mel Gibson's like Paul Bettany in like The Da Vinci Code when he flogs himself. Like that's what I picture he does every night because this film is like. The, the amount of self-hatred and, like, madness required to, to bring it to life is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that, it's it's one of those films that's, like, supposed to be, quote-unquote, historically accurate, if you actually believe that shit. But you just mentioned, like, Jesus invents a fucking table, like a modern table. Yeah. From, like, fucking 2,000 years ago. Yeah! It's <laughs> what like... The fuck? That, well, that, 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 that's the thing about this film that is, like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I will admit I admire that the script is delivered in Latin. Mm. That's it. I will admit that's very, and that's the thing I'll give Mel Gibson credit for. Like, uh, Apocalypto, it's, uh, it's delivered in Mayan, which I think, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because it might add to the madness of fucking, <laughs> of this already, like, deranged individual to, like, bring a dead language to life on film. Cause I don't know if you ever saw Apocalypto, but I, I really yeah, I yeah. dig Apocalypto even it's... though it's complete fucking fantasy. Oh yeah, I it's, admire uh, like, the filmmaking. The most historically accurate thing about that movie is how it ends with like the fucking Spanish conquistador ships coming in. 
But, uh... Well, that's the thing about Mel that I will I will give him credit for, as he's a complete psychopath, a uh, man who believes in shit that no rational human being would ever believe. But he knows how to make a movie. Because I'll admit, as boring as this film is, it's brilliantly made. Like, Oh, yeah. The fucking cinematography. Caleb Deschanel, um, who's like got a long... One of those long resumes. Um, he did The Patriot. Uh, did a did a bunch of he like he he's one of those guys he's like you look him up you're like oh wow that's a resume like not all like not all of his films are uh, memorable but like damn that's well shot <laughs> so bringing him in and uh, the score is fantastic I uh, I especially love the moment where uh, Jesus runs to Mary runs to Jesus during that one scene as as over the top as it is that music score yeah, is yeah. beautiful like <laughs> yes. Yeah, we we mentioned uh, Caviezel. Like the cast in this is very fucking weird because it's like one American actor playing Jesus, and like everyone else is everyone Italian, else is like Israel or something. Jesus Christ! It's, it's literally. It's, it's it's like yeah, it's like you've got your token American Jesus, and the rest of the cast are either like Israeli you know, or Italian. I'm sure that was intentional, but knowing how fucked uh, up Mel Gibson is, I feel like it wasn't. It's one of those, like, uh, was it or wasn't? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't like to think that Monica Bellucci is also a Chad Calf, because uh, uh, Monica Bellucci, like... You know what? As, I'll say uh, this. It's still not the most... Uh, I'll never forget this. You ever seen Tears of the Sun with uh, Willem? Yes, Bruce? yes. The yeah, Bruce Willis classic. There's one scene in that movie I will never forget, where Monica Bellucci is trying to get a bunch of refugees over the border as Bruce Willis is holding off a fucking African warlord. And Monica Bellucci says, please let me in, I'm an American. Uh, and that's just one of those things that's forever stayed with me, because it just it just makes me laugh so hard every time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, you get one of the best Italian actors like, in general to, to play a fucking American and a Bruce Willis actor. I know, right? we might have to, uh, we, we gotta do, I think, one, we should do Shooter, because my, oh, my hell dad yeah. is obsessed with that movie, and yeah. I'd love to just send it to him personally and say, you know, a bunch of, my dad loves that movie, so. yeah. My my fucking uh, co-host uh, joked about doing that because uh, Danny Crawford in that movie is fucking pitch perfect. He's great. That's in that. the deep Ned, Ned Beatty combo. too. Ned Beatty's also fucking great. <laughs> Ned Beatty is like the guy that if you wanted to love for like an evil bad guy speech, you get Ned Beatty. Oh yeah, no. Because that... having that and like fucking networks is just perfect. I love that. it. I I just love that. Like Mark Wahlberg is the lead in that. Of all the people to host a conspiracy thriller action movie, the guy who, of all people, clearly like is obsessed with American nationalism more than anybody else. Oh, yeah, speaking I... of Mel Gibson, and this is one thing I love to talk about with uh, this film is how Mel Gibson, after everything he did, after this film, the phone calls, the arrests, he has a career again. Mm. He fucking made Hacksaw Ridge, which I'm going to admit, I, I liked Hacksaw Ridge as, as fucked up as it is, because it's basically uh, half of it's like a pure flicks film, and then half of it's a fucking Saving Private Ryan. Really well made film, but, uh, you know, he was in Daddy, uh, was it, uh, Daddy's, what's that fucking movie called? Daddy's Home 2 or yeah, something? Yeah, Daddy's like, Home 2. This wholesome fucking Christmas this comedy wholesome with Christmas John comedy. 
that stars Mel Gibson. Like, you have to understand how fucked up that is. Like, if you don't immediately go, wow, that's wrong. Like, you're either a fan, like, like, but, like, the whole, like, like, and I feel like him and Mark Wahlberg got really, got along really well on set. Yeah, this, I was about to say that, like, Mark Wahlberg is the natural successor to Mel Gibson, because he's another one of those, like, freaks that thinks that he's, like, fighting the fucking deep state yeah, or something. Like he, that, the whole line about, like, he if I was on the 9-11 plane. And, like, like, a real <laughs> specific kind of guy. Oh uh, hell yeah! I'm still waiting for like the uh, the Mark Wahlberg name loving movie. I'm still waiting. I for I, I just can't wait for when he has the Mel Gibson meltdown period of his life when we get the phone calls to his wife and the arrest tape. That's gonna be fucking awesome. Uh, do, do you know about his um his Wikipedia page? I do not. Please tell me. Uh, so Mark Wahlberg for the uh, uninitiated out there back in the nineties when he was Marky Mark was very fond of, um, let's just say, harassing uh, Vietnamese people. And, like, up until, like, very recently, his Wikipedia page, like, one of his, like, subjects was, like, hate crimes. Like, I, like, I fucking, like, whole Wikipedia page of just Marky Mark doing hate crimes. And I'm, re- <laughs> I'm looking up now. And the uh, the hate crimes uh, section has been changed to controversies. <laughs> oh God! Uh, oh man! You know, he's it, it, he's such a fucked up dude. Boogie Nights, he he regrets uh, doing, but not uh, God knows what else we could put on that yeah, fucking thing. Yeah, his fucking best Transformers movie, Four, like... for fuck's sake! I would have put where Boogie Nights is. Fuck you. Yeah, his, his fucking best movie was his best performances. That didn't happen, but fucking Transformers. Actually, I rewatched like Pain and Gain, and um, oh yeah, no, that movie's great That's... because Michael Bay, whatever your pain of the man is, he's kind of an a, a hit, an accidental genius. He gets yeah, the best Mark Wahlberg performance out of Mark Wahlberg playing a parody of himself, and Michael Bay does not tell him that. Yeah, yeah. That's, I would that's love. Another... I kind of want to rewatch like press runs of this and him explain like, "Yo, I know my character is like a, a, a psychopath who's obsessed with like motivational grifters and fucking gangster movie protagonists, and the real guy serving life in prison." But it's cool, man. Yes, that that's Pain and Gain is another one of those films that just has like bad vibes, but because like Michael Bay is one of those directors that I like... think he's he's kind of he's weird. You don't really know what his politics are. He loves mm. the military, but he's pretty liberal on like how like the military like treats people, like how the military, oh, yeah. like The Rock is all about like The like, Rock, yeah. Military like guys leaving the service and ambulances. New films kind of touch it on that as well, like. He he yeah. he makes he makes uh, liberal films for conservatives. That's kind of what I like to do. Uh, like, yeah. even, like, even his Benghazi film is yeah. strikingly like apolitical. It's it's, it's it's for it's mind blowing that film's apolitical. But I, I like he he just res- like, he respects like yo look I don't care about the politics I care these boys almost died <laughs> like mm. like it's a, he has a weird yeah. I don't know what his politics are and I feel like that's intentional. He keeps that shit to himself, and I, I kind of admire that. Yeah, the world where, like, most, uh, most fucking directors are, like, ultra liberals. I can admire fucking Michael Bay. Oh, yeah, Bad Boys 2 is the most uh, conservative film ever made, and then 
like like he'll make films after that that are criticisms of that. It's insane. Yeah. It's it's fucking we insane. We need to do the rock at some point. Oh yeah, no, no, we we could talk about the rock for days. You could look at it as like a secret, like um um, what's the last film uh, Connery did? But you could look at it as like a Connery Bond sequel or (laughs) a commentary on military veteran treatment or (laughs) it's. There's so many great ways to interpret that film, man. It's great. Yeah, because it fucking uh, it like flips the whole CIA as the uh, as the oh, good yeah, guys. Oh yeah, it does. Like, and the like, CIA are the bad guys in that. They movie. are like, like you, but you, like what I love is like you set the villains, and then you realize, oh fuck, these guys have a great point. <laughs> like, mm. like the film, yeah. and, like Michael Bay does not treat them as villains. Like that's the thing about oh, it. No, it's so no. insane to me. Like seriously, I can't get over this. I can't find a director who respects the military yet will make, like, almost anti-military films, in a way, like, or anti-government. He's pro-military, anti-government. That's how I describe him. Yeah, but, uh, but back on to, uh, like, uh, films of fucked vibes. I was, um, uh, you mentioned, uh, like, I was looking up the, uh, behind the scenes of this. It's fucking wild how, like, how little dialogue there is in this movie for like yeah. Gibson going so far as to revive Aramaic, like this fucking dead language. There's very little dialogue actually in it. I was listening to um two commentaries for this, the um like production commentary and then uh Oh man like, uh, how would you describe it? A theological <sighs> commentary. <sighs> but uh in oh, the uh and the director's production commentary uh, Mel Gibson said he almost didn't have subtitles, but he felt he had to include them for all the uh, like Roman shit. Oh, for the for the mani- the maniac realizes in his twisted nightmare vision. Oh wait, not everyone speaks Latin. <laughs> shit, <laughs> I have to fix this. Uh, like, okay. uh, yeah. It's... What what what? Okay, because I was really hyped. You sent me the Blu-ray, you no, know, and when I saw Mel Gibson commentary, I'm like, oh my god, I want to know. Mm-hmm. So, does he say anything particularly um, revealing or what? From the two commentaries I listened to, the uh, production commentary is very basic. He's basically going into like, yeah, no, oh, it, we had to include subtitles here, but the theological um, commentary is like where the real fucking uh, meat and potatoes are. It's him, the script editor, and like a bunch of priests. They're like all ah! believe the exact same thing he does, and it's just like these fucking four people going on about how like this shit actually happened. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm the, the, that's, oh man, that's, I, gotta, I gotta listen to that. Yeah, it's like we mentioned, um, like uh, the last temptation of Christ. Scorsese is one of those people that, like, even though he's Catholic, you kind of get the sense that he's like doesn't actually believe any well, of that I shit. Think he's a, he's he's raised Catholic, but he's like he has like he has um, critical thinking. I would argue, like you know, he'll make mm. like Goodfellas, and then he'll make he'll like the same guy made Goodfellas made Last Temptation of Christ. So there's clearly a uh, like it's like me as someone who grew up Catholic but doesn't really believe in Catholicism anymore. There's weird admiration for it. And the 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 pedestal it was put up on, it's it's oh, hard. Yeah. Like it's different for different people. But I feel like Scorsese is like, 
you know, he was raised Catholic, but like he'll make like silence. He'll make a film that's very religious, but at the same time critical of religion. Like like Last Temptation yeah, of Crisis. You know, he, he he's he, smart enough to realize, you know, he has critical thinking skills, I'd argue. Yeah, he has sort of like uh, like ironic detachment from it. Same with Paul Schrader. Same with Paul Schrader, who wrote like you know we talked. You know, first performed is man that that movie's almost like uh, the story of a fucking priest becoming uh, an atheist. <laughs> mm. I take that back. Paul Schrader hates religion. <laughs> Paul Schrader is like I was like well, first performed. Nah, it's not really religious. It's about a guy losing religion. Fuck it. Yeah, it's because uh, he wrote like uh... Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, it's, uh, I rewatched because uh, I've got the criterion of Last Temptation. Uh, looking into like the way that was uh, received in terms of general audiences. Oh yeah, they uh, hated Last to Temptation of Christ. They burned oh, yeah, tears down, but they loved this. That tells you everything right there. <laughs> yeah, because Last Temptation that's like blasphemous because you can interpret it as like Scorsese is portraying jesus as this mental scorsese for me when he made that is he's portraying his version of the story because you know he's a guy who you know the thing about with biblical tales is that they're ostensibly very objective they're made from different people as someone who grew up in like a catholic school and you know like you you have this fascination with like the bible and stories like that because it's it's one of those things you know you grew up with and a lot of the, those stories are interpretations, and you know, occasionally you'll get like, um, like Pasolini's. Like basically, what I'm saying is Pasolini's interpretation of the Bible, Scorsese's interpretation of the Bible, and then Mel Gibson's interpretation of the Bible. Yeah, it's it's very much like um, Scorsese knows that this shit is supposed to be viewed as a metaphor. Yeah. Uh, or Pasolini taking that and deliberately trying to piss off the church, but it's so well mm. done that the church actually thinks it's good. <laughs> I, I feel like the reason Pasolini got away with that is because a lot of uh, Jesus artwork, like Caravaggio, that famous Caravaggio painting of Jesus Christ. Pretty homoerotic, yeah. Very, very homoerotic. Yeah, oh like, yeah. They, the, the the famous one of the God Hannock putting his hand out to Jesus is oh yeah that's Jesus that's like literally very like, fucking gear I'm like oh my god it, 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 I I feel like the Catholic Church is smart enough to realize that like if you have that on your fucking ceiling and your biggest church you can't criticize Pasolini for no making a film like that and that's 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 one of those movies that's that's my one of my favorite um. Pasolini was one of those guys who um, I get, but that's what I love about the Bible Bible type movies is these guys just interpret interpreting it their own ways because that's really all you can do, you know, and that's what makes like I can't wait to see um, uh, the uh, Paul Verhoeven nun movie that he made. Oh yeah, oh, man, I can't wait. Be, or or the devils. Let's talk about the devils. We want to talk about like the way we interpret God and shit. Yeah, it's, it's a film that's not like specifically about Jesus or God, but it's more about how it's, it's about religious it's about, like, as a concept. What what got me about that movie is like it's ostensibly a film that the way you can avoid going to hell is by sinning a shitload. That's ostensibly <laughs> what it's about, <laughs> and it culminates in the 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 orgy that is still one of those 
God damn, we might have to do the Devils, because... Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know there'll never be, like, an official director's cut. No, no, still, Warner yeah. Brothers has burned whatever fucking Ken Russell yeah, made. Fuck him. That will never have a director's cut of that. That's one of those movies that's forever... What's another film like that? There's a bunch of movies like that that just... Like, fucking, um... Like, uh, Exorcist 3 was like that. Oh, yeah. Like, no, fucking, it's, it's, it's fucking Mark... The only reason we have the, uh... Like, Logan Peter Blatty cut is because of Mark Kermode's like Pretty fighting much, for yeah. that. Mark Kermode made the, the Devil's Cut as well. So oh yeah. God yeah. bless him. <laughs> Whatever your opinion uh, of the God. man is, God bless him for at least doing this that much. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I was looking at the uh, like critics' view of this, and it's fucking wild. Roger Ebert gave this film a thumbs up. Wow. Just... Really? Oh yeah, he likes this movie. I can't I remember feel like what he specifically would. Roger he said Ebert is one of those guys you can't predict. That's the problem with Roger uh, Ebert. Yeah. Like, <laughs> can't predict what he gives a thumbs up to. <laughs> now, I just say they like he'll give this a thumbs up, but he'll thumbs down Mortal Kombat. I will say this about yeah. Roger yeah. Ebert: I miss the days when, especially these days with like you know these critics we have now on on the internet. I miss when they were mm. like actually interested. Like, he'd give three stars to a shitty movie, but he'd make it interesting, his review. Oh, yeah. No one does that anymore. No, no. You all give this three stars because it was fun to watch. It's not interesting. Roger Ebert would, like, give you a paragraph of why he thinks it's interesting. And uh, we don't have those critics anymore. Nah, sadly not. I feel like Care Mode is really the last. He like, really is the last one. Mainstream, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, as, again, Kermode's one of those guys, I, as much as I disagree with him, I still respect him. Like, yeah. Like, sir, his review of uh, uh, a Serbian film is, <laughs> no, it was a, this is, a Fred the uh, Movie, he called Fred the Movie, uh, next to a Serbian film, is the most unpleasant experience I ever had watching a movie this year. <laughs> I think this, you don't get that shit anymore with, with, with film critics. You just don't. Like, at least, like, no, stream film crit guys who people know, you don't get that anymore. Nah, that's, they either take, like, films not seriously enough or too seriously, but it's care mode that is, like, a ironic detachment. It's fun. Like, elite, like he, he, he got shit for this, but I think it's hilarious. He says... Because he didn't care about the movie enough to actually write criticism about it. He said, yo, so I watched Clifford the Big Red, the big red Dog. That dog is too big. He didn't care about the movie. Like, people got mad at him. Like, he doesn't care about the movie. He just, that was fun for him to write. <laughs> like, says, how do yeah, I make this interesting for myself to talk about? And it worked, yeah, you know? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the, the problem of, you know, like, having a, don't like, a career critic as you have to see every movie. Yeah. Including Clifford the Big Red like Dog. Ebert, you, you have, have to, to say something about it. To keep it interesting for yourself. Because you already know you don't give a shit about the movie. Like yeah. five minutes in, you're like, all right. I'm just going to say the, the Big Red Dog is too big. I don't care if people think that's stupid. It's funny to me. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm, I need to find out what he thought about this movie. Because I know I feel like, like a he fucking... hated it. I would love to yeah, yeah. Like hate yeah, it. Cause, but the thing about this movie that's why but again, like the, the people who love this film are a very specific group of people. No normal person sits down and says, God, I want to watch Passion of the Christ. No, no one ever does that. Uh, no. It's one of those movies that just you watch once and that's it. Like unless yeah, you're a normal yeah. person. Unless you're weirdos like us who are fascinated by the intent behind it, but 
if, if, if I was going to compare this film to something else, it wouldn't be anything related with Christiana. It'd be fucking sour. Because it's yeah. one of those films that's like, you watch it once because of just how like generally fucked Going back to uh, Pasolini, uh, the, the idea yeah, of like yeah. the, the extremity behind it, how full on it is. It can almost turn off most people. Because Salo, mm. despite being as gross as it is, is a very political film. There's actually like shit to talk about in that movie and analyze. Oh, yeah. Like it's not just as graphic as it is. There's there's stuff to it. Like, yeah. but um, I would but, argue uh, so if I were to compare this film to anything is that I've said this. It's pure flicks directed by Eli Roth. It has the exact <laughs> same approach to like Christianity. Like it, it feels like like a made for like like whatever pure like whatever christian type shit you know it's like straight to netflix or something straight to tv yeah but it's, it has uh, the violence of a like torture porn film of the mid-2000s it's wild yeah. that's what got me with this film that this film even made money like if you were an old christian grandma would you eat, like an old grandma uh, like, like let's go to see this movie about jesus like you'd run out of there you'd be like oh my fucking god this is horrific but again, I'm, yeah, like, I, uh, I'm not as religious as I used to be. So I feel like if you are deeply religious, this film affects you in ways that uh, the normal mind does not. Yeah, I, I mentioned this to my co-host. Like, it's very weird how like they set the template for not like for like your bog standards. Uh, you have like how would you describe it? Not like Christian movies today, because Christian movies today, as you say, are like dumb, boring, fucking Kevin Sorbo, pure flux shit. Whereas, like, if you watch like a Jesus documentary now, it's very similar in terms of like visuals to this. Like, I saw some fucking um, like YouTube Jesus documentary from the History Channel from like 2016, and they look as exactly like this. Like fucking production values and everything. Hmm. Like this set the template for a lot of like how like people talk about Jesus, which is just fucking insane to me. Yeah, no, because like Jesus had a hunchback, according to historians. Mm. Like they actually like like look at like historically like like how like history influenced the Bible. It's it's fascinating. <laughs> like. Jesus might have been like a hunchback or something, like or weird shit like that. Like Noah's Ark was this psychopath who like tried to build a boat or something. Like, no, it's it's fascinating. It's and the thing about when you you know like man, <laughs> what I think this film of any uh, as, whatever this film is, I think what it does is illustrate the sheer madness of the evangelical Christian sect, how they view the world. <laughs> How they view certain things, humanity, like if you watch like a Jesus camp or some shit like that, like this uh, is that level of like this is where like that person who's that far and again because you know Mel is making this film as therapy because that's what I firmly believe. This is a film made by someone who needed therapy but said I don't need therapy. I'm gonna make a thirty million dollar movie. Fuck you all. Like. <laughs> Just uh, not yeah. saying no. And this is a fascinating looking glass into that kind of worldview. Yes. Yeah, 
it's even like the intentions of this movie was one of the uh, other things about Mel Gibson is that he's like incredibly anti-Semitic. Oh yeah, oh. And the way the way he portrays like the fucking leather <gasps> elders oh, Zion in this we, we movie. We may as well talk about fucking uh, wild. We may as well talk about stuff in this movie. The um the devil, the way the devil's portrayed. Yeah. It's almost anti-LGBT in a way. <laughs> like like it, it yeah. feels like the devil's a drag queen in this movie. Like the way he like saunters around. I have no idea if that's the intention. But knowing how fucked up Mel Gibson is, I feel like that—that's probably the intention. Yeah, my my uh, co-host behind the scenes jokes like saying as like a uh, like Instagram non-binary they them <laughs> fucking like envy like. Yeah, well, you have to remember, um, evangelicals and Christians and all that are not subtle, so that's probably. Yeah, it's, I, I know they got, a, like, a, a female actress and just, like, shaved her fucking eyebrows like a drag queen, and it's very much... By the way, if you want a really like, fun... Yeah, I know if you what want your, a good... I know what your intentions are. Yeah. I don't know. If you want a good laugh, go look up... So there was this show called The Bible. Um, I think the History Channel aired it, which tells you how desperate they are for fucking programming these days. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, they had like the story of Jesus wandering the de- the desert with the devil. Oh yeah, that's and the, devil the fucking looks thing like I was Obama. talking about. Yeah, because <laughs> it was God. made like I think like 2012 or something. It was made like around that period when Mitt Romney was running for president when when the Republican <sighs> Party was sane. Because that's sad that Mitt Romney's the last one of the last sane Republicans. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really depressing. Yeah, that was the thing I was talking about. Like, I saw that on YouTube very recently. Like, this looks like the Passion of the Christ. You know what the fuck is going on? Uh, yeah, I completely forgot about like how Obama was not. Yeah, they hated him. Satan and I firmly believe I hate to say it, but I feel like it was like my my feeling when when he was president. It was like they voted for the black man. Like they uh, were that. It was that level of like. Like just straight up like insane racism. Because yeah, you could... like they hated him. That he fucking hated him. And I can't think of any other reason why they would hate him that much. Because they don't even dunk on Biden as much as they did Obama for the longest fucking time. I know, cause like they'll joke about like Sleepy Joe, Joe Shits himself. Oh, no, doesn't have Obama anything was on... like literally depicted as the fucking devil yeah, they, like, they, 10 they, years they, ago. Trump literally said, I, I will sue to see his birth certificate. Which that's yeah. really fucked up. And and I, yeah, I feel like all the Obama birther shit. Sorry. Like, yeah, all the like Obama birther shit that you just mentioned is like an actual fucking like, precursor to QAnon. Like, you, you don't get fucking queuing on if no, like, Trump yeah. doesn't go on TV and it's like, Obama, release the birth certificate. You have to do it. Yeah, it's kind of where my... I think Obama will have his day eventually, like Bill Clinton has happened now, but he was he was treated like shit, and you almost feel kind of bad for him, but you don't. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, <yeah>. damn. <laughs> Obama is one of those people who, like, there's, like legitimate criticisms of him and then there's the dumb fucking like, yeah. thing of he's like, a Muslim Kenyan or something. Again, he had that charisma that yeah, like, yeah. He, oh, like he, he'll, he'll 
He he'll he'll survive all the worst shit that forever comes out about him. Yep. He's gonna be Clinton for a while. He's gonna be the next Clinton because everyone's oh, like, yeah. yo, Clinton was a witness of wild shit. Yeah, uh, like fucking Clinton had his five minutes of cool fame in the nineties before all that. Oh shit yeah, and then, and then we. I feel I feel like Obama's too smart for something like that to like cob in some intern's dress and get caught for it. Yeah. <laughs> Still the least um, bad thing for president to get impeached for, I'd argue. Oh, yeah. Bad that, as that, that is, yes. I mean, that, that's like the least bad thing Bill Clinton's done. That's like uh That's the least bad oh, thing he. <laughs> oh Jesus. Ah uh, God. Uh, yeah, but um, we're like an hour thirty, so we should probably yeah. um, be wrapping up. Yeah, but uh, speaking of like Jim Caviezel well getting tortured. Throughout this movie, it's fucking wild how like we're gonna get a sequel to this. If that ever, I happens, don't know if it's actually no going idea. to happen. But look, Jim Caviezel's so fucked up. I don't even know if Mel will touch him. At least if <laughs> if he'll if he's willing to like, because he has like a weird like DTV career, like like he'll do these like low budget garbage movies. But yeah, like, yeah, he'll do like a he'll do like boss level show up for like ten minutes to get a paycheck. I don't know if he's willing to burn that bridge because he's lucky to have that. He's lucky as fuck to have that kind of career right now. I don't think he'll burn his bridge for that. Mm. We, I don't know. I could be proven wrong in a couple days from now at this point. But... Yeah, crazier things have happened. Yeah, I, so... I feel like if Mel like dangled enough money in front of Jim, he'd probably do it. If Mel but also if like Jim doesn't yeah, go to but... jail in the next couple of months, I feel like, I feel like he's gonna do something. Uh, I guess. God, poor yeah, bastard. Yeah. Fuck uh, Trump, JFK Jr. 2024, Trump, Caviezel 2024. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You might as well lean into the fucking celebrity. Dude, you know how many, just just have him come out and play Jesus from Passion. You'll get, like, (laughs) so many red votes. It'll be ridiculous. God damn. That movie's old enough to be, like, nostalgic at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember fucking South Park making fun of this movie. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When, when the fucking South Park guys are making fun of you, then you know... They made fun of them when up. the film came out. Like, <laughs> when it came out, before we real Like, seriously, it's just, just like... They, they they touched it before anyone else, so God bless you. Uh, yeah, yeah, God, but, um... Yeah, God, but, um... Uh, I, I will say this about the film. Uh, I want to give my two cents. Um... <laughs> This film is so fucked up that it even exists, I would argue. It's like, this is a film made by someone who is not, who's having a breakdown. Because, like, it feels, it's just so, it's so, like, it jumps from, like, like, self-persecution to to these horrific torture scenes to all this weird religious shit to horror imagery. It's a film made by someone who is just breaking down. And you could feel it as you watch it. And yes. it's it's fascinating as a weird, like, again, the, the view into a mind of a madman. I would compare it to, like, Sam Peckinpah. Like, Sam Peckinpah, when, like, later in his life, when he started making movies, you realize this guy is fucked up. Like, he is losing it. <laughs> you can feel uh. that in this movie. It feels like old, like, late period Peckinpah. In terms of like self, like how how it portrays an uh, artist self-destructing. 
Yeah, it's wild to like, as you said, this movie made a fuck ton of money. You could argue if Mel Gibson didn't have his uh, his DUI and then his uh, like fucking. Uh, and he gone to therapy instead his, of doing this yeah, movie. Like he would have had like a much more like prolific career after this instead oh, yeah, of going yeah. off to do like Expendables three fucking ten years later. And then he has to go like do like. He has to do a fucking... He, he gets lucky that Mark Wahlberg will work with him once and then, like, has to go to, like, like some garbage straight to, yeah. straight, yeah. straight to VOD movie. You know, do, like, fucking... boss level, but that movie was filmed, like, two years ago before it was uh, released. So it was, like... Mel Gibson just got an Oscar nom, so he's still okay. And then... Oh, wow. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like... It'd be interesting to see, uh, like he'll be able to like claw his way back to the big times because i know he's in the um like new john wick spin-off and there's like a lot a lot of backlash around that oh so i think there should be i think there fucking should be yeah. or that he was gonna remake the wild bunch which i doubt will actually happen mm, that's not happening no, hell no. <laughs> that's not gonna happen hell no i heard You're... now i'm like fuck no you can't like again i will admit mel gibson doing peck and paw is very appropriate because they're like if you want to compare Gibson to a filmmaker, it'd be Peckinpah in terms of like self-destruction and films that really portray the mindset of a man going insane. Like, like, like I almost want to do like a big thing on Peckinpah because the way his career disintegrates into madness. Like he'll do yeah, like a, civ- he'll do like a civil war epic with Jimmy Stewart, and then he does the Wild Bunch, and then after that, it's just like a slow descent, like. Then the getaway with more violence, and then bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> just like, like you can see this man just get further and further into the bottle, and like making movies more fucked up and more twisted. Yeah, as 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 insane as the man was, I can admire like he's kind of like uh, Robert Rodriguez, or like he'll just do whatever the fuck he wants. He's I mean, beholden but, like, to nobody he, but himself. He was a- he was a guy who would only do a war film if he could make it about Nazis losing. Like, he was a very nihilistic person. Like, he was... And he, he had a hard time getting work at the end of his career because he was such a fucking drunk. <laughs> he would... Like, he, he famously would drink on the set of uh, The Wild Bunch and then open fire with an actual gun on set saying, This is how I want that shit to look. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... We've discussed that before, but like that—that's like fucking directors getting away with shit like that is long gone. I will say this: (laughs) you're absolutely—I feel like Mel Gibson is like the last of one of those guys. Well, like he's the only one left who's like I would argue even like he's a guy who hates himself. Like I feel like he Mm. genuinely hates himself. This is a guy who. Like, you watch all his movies, and they're all about violence and torture and madness. Like, like Braveheart is a film about, like, a dude just, his wife gets murdered, and he just, like, fucking leads this violence fuck revolution. Or a dude, yeah. or Heart, or um, uh, Hacksaw Ridge was about a guy who thinks he can go into fucking the Pacific campaign with no gun. Like, uh. he's a man who revels in, like, torture and madness, like. Yeah, I suppose that's the uh, like Chad Calf mindset of like proper Old Testament fire and brimstone shit. Because yep. it's like what really struck me 
be watching this was like, it's not like Jesus that all the fucked up shit happens to, but Judas, like, the amount of just insane shit that happens to Judas, like, that guy fucking hangs himself 15 minutes into the movie. Well, like, and again, the way it's it's shot and edited, it's like a horror film. Yeah, yeah. Are, like, the that. dead goat. He looks at it, he laughs, and then he fucking hangs himself. He's like, yep. damn, uh, I want to see someone do a Bible horror movie. I really do. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and if you compare and contrast that to, like, Harvey Keitel and The Last Temptation, like, Scorsese views these characters as, like, more nuanced than, like, somebody like Mel Gibson could probably never view them as because he like no because he takes doesn't know subtlety away. he's not a subtle oh, yeah, maker. Yeah, he, does, yeah. he doesn't have the scorsese like you know ability to like sit down and be like all right let's let's read these characters like you know he's a guy who can like look at someone like james woods and find humanity which is, <laughs> which i mean yeah. yeah like jesus <laughs> good lord yeah that's i was trying to think about it like Last Temptation, that's the only Jesus film where Jesus gets his dick wet, isn't it? It like, might actually be. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, god damn. God, I might have to look into that. I would love to know if there's... I don't mean, like... Yeah, because that's the reason why it was, like, branded as so blasphemous, because it portrays Jesus as, like, a crazy person, yeah, but I it get... also, like, has him get his dick wet at the end. God, I want to see... Uh, I saw a a, uh, a picture of uh, Paul Verhoeven's uh, Nun movie. I think it's like... Oh, looks good. But, uh, like, it has, like, a scene where, um, like, someone posted a screen cap, and I'm mad I spoiled this for me, but it's Jesus on the crucifix. And he says, take your clothes off. And I'm like, damn. That's <laughs> hardcore as fuck. Like, that's, that's like, that's the, like, that's damn. Fucking... Like, I just saw that. I'm like, man, you're going to piss off so many people with that. Yes. I'm so... It's this fucking, the devil's made by the guy who did fucking showgirls. It was the right only guy there. who could do, like, a devil's type movie that, like, offends the Catholic Church to that level. Like, the only guy who could do that is the guy who made fucking showgirls. <laughs> Everybody got AIDS and shit. Like, uh, I should take that back. My favorite is um, Robert Davi saying to Elizabeth Berkeley with the straight face, must be weird not having anybody come on you. <laughs> like, man, that movie's so uh, that movie's fuck. That movie's brilliant because it's a terrible script that Paul Verhoeven turned into a parody. And he was so good at parodying that script that people thought it was genuinely endorsing. Genuinely, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's because it's, you know, Joe Westerhouse, fucking Jade, and um, Basic Instinct, so. Yeah, we, we have to do, like, a Verhoeven die. Oh, we have one to do because... his whole sci-fi trilogy, I'd argue. Cause... Because, like, uh, him doing satire in the 80s to him doing satire in the 90s is, like, very fucking, like, the way those two, like, time periods were viewed, like, like, Roger Ebert understood that Robocop was supposed to be satire. But he, he didn't understand Showgirls was. Like, I, again, that's how well, good Showgirls was at being a parody. It was yeah. people thought it was because I, I even I was like before I under like before like we had that moment of Paul Verhoeven. Oh, he's taking the piss because <laughs> Paul Verhoeven has taken the piss his whole career, other than a couple movies like Black Book and later like he made a rape revenge movie L that is a straight up piss take of like. Have you seen L? Uh, 
I know you mentioned it a couple of episodes ago. I have uh, actually watched it since then. It's, oh, it's, it's, it feels like like a parody of a revenge movie. Yeah, it's a parody of like a rape revenge movie. It's and that's why like Paul Verhoeven is one of those guys who like he gets genre cinema in a way no one else gets. Mm. But I actually think like he's one of those few filmmakers I call a genius. Oh yeah, he's just yeah. so fucking. But uh, let's end this uh, Paul Verhoeven uh, love letter. Yeah, love fest. So um, join us next time for bye. Bye. He'll be coming in clouds of glory when he comes.